it's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Thank you, Chad Erickson. Good to have you all with us this Monday edition of the show. Super wild card weekend, not even close to being done. Because <laughs> the Bills in Buffalo are buried under snowpocalypse. Or to them, it's just winter. Good to have you all here. we got a lot to do over the next hour. We'll, we'll recap uh, the games that we can talk about from Saturday and Sunday. Our man Sam Yarnell will swing by for that. I've got something to consider when it comes to uh, fans in Chicago and their absolutely disgusting behavior uh, late last week as it related to uh, former Bulls general manager Jerry Krause and his wife Thelma. Uh, the late Jerry Krause. We'll get into that. Uh, Peacock hits it out of the park. As it relates to the best $110 million ever spent uh, to air an NFL playoff game. We'll talk about that as well. But we start things out with a little perspective. And if there's anybody to talk about when it comes to perspective on the NFL, it's Russell Baxter, uh, profootballguru.com. He's an NFL historian, hangs out with us here on the program this morning. And Russell, uh, I got to start with the Cowboys. I mean, I didn't think there was any way that, that Mike McCarthy would be out of a job after three 12-win seasons. But that thing went so badly yesterday that even at the end of that, me, who's not one that is want for hyperbole, had to sit there and say, can you really keep him after a game like that, especially as upset as Jerry Jones seemed to be after the game? Well, it's funny. You talk about the weather in Buffalo, and correct me if I'm wrong, I saw the Cowboys get snowed under yes. um, yesterday. So uh, <laughs> when you are under the scrutiny that Mike McCarthy is and any Dallas Cowboys head coach um, and your team does go 12 and five, three straight seasons um, and uh, knocked out by the 49ers the first two years, uh, hoping to get to the 49ers um, and ran into a buzzsaw. And I think the thing that was disturbing was that while Jordan Love and the Packers offense has definitely been much better down the stretch, their defense hasn't. And Dallas failed to take advantage of that defense, of the Packers. Um, the, the Packers were super aggressive. By the way, one of my favorite stats, they're 6-0 and in that building. Okay? Now, here's the funny thing. That also includes beating the Steelers in the Super Bowl <laughs> in 2010. And they beat Dallas in the playoffs there twice. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's not all Aaron Rodgers. There's a Matt Flynn appearance in there somewhere, I believe, too. Okay? So, for whatever reason, they love that. Listen, one of the great passes you will ever see. Remember a couple of years ago, Aaron Rodgers to Jared Cook yep. on the sidelines? I still don't know how he got that in there. Um, but it's just one of those odd things. Now, funny enough, I think Mike McCarthy was certainly responsible for a couple of those wins. So, <laughs> when he was the Packers head coach. But I just wonder, I just wonder, play. I just, I just wonder it, it to me, Russell, Right. unless you know that you can land one of the big fish that are out there, a Harbaugh, right. if it's Pete Carroll, if it's Bill Belichick, unless you're Jerry Jones and you're hundred percent certain that you can land those guys, who are you getting that's better than McCarthy? I don't know. I think, I think that's an excellent question. And listen, we, we know other than the fact um, that Jason Garrett, wound up being there for an awfully long time. Shelf life with head coaches for Jerry Jones is very short. Okay. Um, obviously Jimmy Johnson was only there the five years. 
Bill Parcell was there four years. Um, Jason Garrett was like the longest. Jason Garrett's the second longest tenured head coach in Cowboys history next to Tom Landry. Think about that for a second. Okay. And I'm not trying to put down Jason Garrett, but Jerry showed amazing amount of patience with him. Okay. Hasn't shown as much patience with everybody else. So I don't know what you can do better. Listen, they were a juggernaut offensively. They were unbelievable at home. They had won 16 straight home games by a count of, I love this, 566 to 285. Wow. That's the cumulative score of their last 16 home games entering yesterday. And Jordan Love made it. He made it look as easy on Sundays. He did a couple nights, uh, weeks ago on a Sunday night at Minnesota. Amazing. So they're the first seven seed. I mean, we haven't had seven seeds that long um, to advance in the playoffs. Uh, and it was just, they were the only home team to lose this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. In four games. So there's a lot of things that I'm sure Jerry it's in, and I think there, I, I got the feeling everybody thought already there would be a decision that Jerry was going to wake up this morning and say, that's it. And so on. And listen, we're, we're doing a show right now. Who knows what's going on <laughs> at the moment. Um, but I think he needs to sit and think about this. Uh, and the other thing you have to consider is Dan Quinn, mm. um, their defense really kind of limped down the stretch. Let's be honest. Okay. They got, uh, pushed around by the Buffalo Bills, 266 yards rushing. Um, they held Miami to a lot of field goals, but still let Miami move the ball on them. Um, and now this. So defensively, they didn't have as many. It, it was a defense that was shaky against the run, good in pressuring the passer, and fell off dramatically in takeaways. Remember, they led the, they led the league in takeaways two years in a row. So there's a lot going on here and so on. And it was funny. I was watching C.D. Lamb's reaction very, very early in the game, um, watching his reaction to uh, the, the misfiring and so on. And it seemed like the Cowboys got themselves in panic mode incredibly early. Yeah, and I, I, I tell you, the flip side of this is Green Bay. And, I mean, think about the embarrassment of riches to be able to go from Brett Favre to Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, now to Jordan Love. I've only got about a minute here uh, before we got to take a break, but give me give me some perspective on organizations that have been able to have that kind of success with three straight quarterbacks. Well, with three straight, no. Um, unless you're going to start talking Brock Purdy all of a sudden because obviously you had Montana and Young, but there's been a big gap in between there and so on. Um, other work is, I mean, and listen, it's a franchise. You think about the Packers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go back. They, they actually have four quarterbacks in the pro football hall of fame. Okay. When you go back to Bart Starr and Arnie Herber and so on, which I know we're getting early and early and early, but no, yeah, it's a team built around offense. It's a team built around drafting. I think they get a bad label about free agency. Um, because they choose not to sign free agents. I mean, if you think about the organization, Jason, who they've really spent money on in free agency. Reggie White, Julius Peppers, and Charles Woodson, and that's it. It's true. Yeah, they, when yeah. you actually get when you actually get down to it, they have not gone big in free agency no. the way other and organizations And they've been highly have. successful. Uh, Russell Baxter's going to hang out with us for one more segment. We'll get some more thoughts with him on Super Wild Card Weekend. Also, the huge pool of coaches available in coaching free agency. It's the Sports Wrap on a Monday.
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention families with a loved one in a nursing home. If your loved one has suffered from bed sores, falls, broken bones, dehydration, or even death, you may be entitled to a substantial settlement. If you have a loved one who was injured in a nursing home, we will find out what happened. State violations are found against nursing homes every day. You have a limited time to file your claim, so don't wait. Call 800-398-5999 and speak with one of our attorneys. The call is confidential and free. Rolling along on this Monday edition of the show, Sammy Arnell will be by in about 10 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on everything that took place on Saturday and Sunday. Mikey M of NFL Network on the show tomorrow. Ross Tucker sometime this week. Not sure what day yet. But we're kicking off the week with my man Russell Baxter, profootballguru.com. NFL historian hanging out with us on the program. Uh, before I get to the coaching pool stuff, uh, these free agent coaches, what do you do as a Dolphins organization in sort of reassessing? Because this team got so much publicity through the first half of the season for the things they were doing offensively and Tyree Kill and Tua. And this thing went out with a whimper. And I know the weather is a factor. Injuries are a factor. But this thing ended with a whimper for Miami. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't think my piece has been published yet, but that was the last line in my piece about the Dolphins season that I just wrote this morning. The Dolphins went out with a whimper and not a bang. See? Look at that. Okay, there you go. Great minds. Think about this. Go back to week three when they scored 70 points, okay, and 10 touchdowns, Jason. Mm -hmm. In their last four games, including the playoffs, um, the Dolphins scored 62 points, and their offense had six touchdowns. Wow. So their defense was banged up, but offensively they really limped 
down the stretch. And I, I was pointing out, listen, it was a couple of weeks ago when they were in position, had a chance to beat Baltimore and be the front runner from the for the AFC's number one seed. They failed to do that. They failed to win the division. And now they still haven't won a playoff game since <clears throat> 2000. And it's Which, still, by the way, yeah, think, think about it. Think about it. Now that Detroit's won a playoff game, I believe that's now the longest current drought in the league. Wow. Yeah, you also think about it, though, when you go when you go back to the Cowboys and, and bring the Dolphins into the conversation. Right. If you look at the body of work over 17 games this year, they basically, at the end of the day, were what we thought they were. Neither team could won a neither team won a, a game against a really good opponent all year. I mean Miami beat Dallas, but that was about it. Neither of these teams against good competition were able to step up and get over the bar. So should it surprise us that they both lost their first playoff game? Well, it's also funny because the last game Miami won was against Dallas. <laughs> they had they haven't won a game they didn't win a game after that. Baltimore, Buffalo, and then Kansas City. The thing that I liked about Miami until the very end was the fact that last year and over the years, they've been a team that once they lose, they seem to go on losing streaks. Okay. Now, heading into the finale against the Bills, they had not lost two games in a row all year. They managed to bounce back from every one of their losses. Okay. And as you can, as you know, like Philadelphia, going on the skids, like Jacksonville going on the skids, you can wind up going from potential division champion to out of the playoffs or wild card. We'll see what happens with Philadelphia later today. But that was the one thing about Miami that impressed me this year. Okay, we lost, but we managed to bounce back. They never got over the Baltimore loss for whatever reason. They never even reached 20 points the last three games for a team that for most of the year led the league in scoring. So and it was just a, a bad way for the things to end. And, and by the way, for people who like to emphasize offense in this league, uh, Dallas was number one in scoring. Miami was number two. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. Uh, Russell, give me some perspective on, on this free agency coaching pool that we're looking at right now, historically speaking. You know, and again, without getting into hyperbole and, and being like, oh, my God, it's the greatest coaching pool ever. I mean, in, in just off the top of your head, trying to think about it, has there ever been an offseason with these kinds of coaches and names just sitting out there? No, I mean, you just think about the big three to begin with. Now, I'm, and I'm going to include Nick Saban, but although he has said he is retired, okay? But you have Pete Carroll, who has won on the college level and the professional level. You have Bill Belichick, who is still in pursuit of Don Shula in terms of the most career wins in NFL history. He's a six-time, well, he's a six-time head coach, Super Bowl champion. That doesn't even count his rings with the Giants as an assistant coach, and he gets a big nod on there uh, as well. You know, his game plan against the Bills, um, I think, is in the Hall of Fame um, for the what, what they did to the Bills, basically letting Thurman Thomas do whatever he wanted and, and physically punishing the receivers and so on. No, you, you can't think of anybody. And so when Don Shula stepped down in 1995, he retired. Okay. Bill Belichick has not said anything about retirement. There's a lot of openings. The Patriots seem like they had their mind made up 
from the get-go. And I've heard, and it's funny, I've heard criticism of Gerard Mayo, even though he's done nothing yet, okay? But maybe, just maybe the Patriots were taking a book out of Nick Casario. Mm. Nick Casario brought in a guy who was a former linebacker. Feels like it. Yeah, brought, former linebacker with the organization. Um, look what the Texans have done with D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, but D'Amico Ryan should get a lot of credit. Think about this one, Jason, uh, including the route of the Browns. The Texans have won 11 games this year. Um, the previous three seasons combined, the Texans were 11-38-1. Amazing. Um, you mentioned Saban. Do you think you think if the right offer came, he would coach? Yeah, I don't think it would be a pro uh, job. Okay, because, um, you know, he had his opportunity with Miami and it just didn't go well on a lot of different fronts and so on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what his I mean, I've never talked to Nick Saban. Yeah. I, uh, again, when you use the word retirement, um, you can either take it with a grain of salt because we have heard a lot of people retire. Uh, Larry Holmes retired a lot. I remember that. Am I right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Didn't Larry, did. Holmes retire Larry a lot. Holmes retired a lot. Okay. Yeah. So um, we, we shall say, but I mean, he'd be an intriguing name to go to any program. We saw, hey, listen, we saw Bill Walsh retire. Okay. And then came back and coached in college, correct? Yeah. We saw Joe Gibbs retire and go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and he came back. So, you know, this is a never-say-never never world, especially when it comes to sports. Uh, I've got 15 seconds. You think uh, Belichick ultimately breaks Don Shula's record? Um, no. Really? No, no. Wow, I'm stunned. No, I that's not a detriment. To, that's not a knock on Belichick. I just think he's going to – getting the right opportunity uh, I think will be difficult in this time and age. Wow. Uh, Russell Baxter, profootballguru.com. He's an NFL historian as well. Uh, check out his work online. I always appreciate it, my friend, especially on these busy days. Thank you, sir. No problem. Enjoy two games today. Oh, lucky us. Russell Baxter hanging out with us on the program. Sam Yarnell is around the corner. Don't you go anywhere. Sports Wrap continues. Good to have you with us on this Monday edition of the show. Thank you to Russell Baxter of ProFootballGuru.com, NFL historian for providing some context. The conversations I have with him off the air are almost as long as the ones I have with him on the air. (laughs) Before we do the interviews. I love the man. Um, Sammy Arnell is here. It's Monday, and he's probably... Ready to get all excited because Houston beat my Cleveland Browns, my dark horse pick for the Super Bowl, who I told everybody to take it plus 3,500, and now you're ripping that ticket up in disgust. I went one and one on Saturday's games. Um, On Sunday, I think I went 0 and 2 because we all loved Dallas, and we all loved... um, well, I don't know. The Rams, actually, no. Did I, I'm trying to remember on the Rams. Did I take the Rams getting the point? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, Sam's with us. Let's talk about the games Saturday and Sunday. Uh, in the next segment, we'll get into the games taking place on Monday. 
Come on, come on, let let me have it. Come on. No, I was, I was going to lead with before yeah. we get into what we have to get yeah. into eventually. I was going to lead with. I think if I remember correctly, and I very well may not. Um, in the late game on Sunday, I, I was more high on the over. I didn't like a side. I, I said Cowboys at home. I definitely did. I'll take my loss there. You Who liked the Miami, we'll though. We'll talk about that. You liked I Miami. Loved, that was my huge loss this weekend, mm. Jason. And let me tell you, the Miami Dolphins absolutely beat me up this yet this weekend. I was I was beaten up going into yesterday's games <laughs> because of, I was riding so high after the Texans game, and then the Dolphins were just like right hooked to the jaw one touchdown the whole game from that offense oh my god yeah that felt more like a punch to the groin than it did a uh, kick (laughs) to the groin than it did a punch to the stomach and i don't know where you go as an organization if you are um if you're miami i'm not sure i'm not sure where you're going uh as an organization to try and and figure out you know, there was so much sizzle around this team, and it wound up being no stake. And as I said to Russell Baxter, you look at them and the Cowboys. For all the talk around both teams and great offenses and the top two and this and that, neither of them beat good teams this year. So I don't know how anybody could actually be shocked at the results we saw this weekend. It's really hard for me to say that I haven't been saying this since the beginning of the year, so I'm going to say that I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. And I think that this game on Saturday night only proved it to us more. Tua Tagovailoa is not a championship-winning NFL quarterback. He's a quarterback of a mediocre team. He's a good backup on a good team, sure. But at the end of the day, Tua Tagovailoa is just not the guy in Miami. He cost him seven points. He had a wide-open receiver that he underthrew by two and a half yards, that which would have been a touchdown, and at that point in the game, completely shifted the momentum. Uh it's hard for me to sit in this chair today, Jason, and tell you honestly that I, I can't see the Miami Dolphins starting someone else at quarterback next year. Nah, I don't not. know how the Dolphins fans haven't they're revolted not. against they're him. Not started. They're not starting somebody else next year. He's still a starting quarterback in the league. He's still a top half of the league quarterback. Whether whether we like that or not, look, there's a, there is a delineation to be made. It's your word of the day there. Between guys that can just get you to the playoffs and win you 11 games or 10 games or 12 games, and guys that are going to be Super Bowl-caliber quarterbacks. And there's always been this line. We can't pretend that Tua Tungavailoa, we could go through, I could go through the last 10 years of the league and find you guys that are good, capable starting quarterbacks, going to get their bag, going to make their money, but can't necessarily win you the big one. We're talking about it with the Cowboys right now and Dak Prescott. And and there are just those guys in the leagues. He's, he's that sort of middle-tier upper middle tier guy who's going to win you games and and that's sort of what he is and until he can show you something other than that that's what he is and the same thing goes for Dak Prescott I think they're two peas in a pod ah hmm that's an interesting one because when I look at Dak Prescott it's really hard to not just say Philip Rivers right like Mm. Really good arm, physically gifted on a very talented team, just cannot perform when it matters. I I think Dak Prescott, listen, Tua, the the reason I'm not comfortable making that jump quite yet is because I feel like this is going to sound crazy. Tua hasn't been on as talented teams as Dak has, and the letdowns that we've gotten from Tua 
have let us down less than the letdowns from Dak. Regardless, the, the two are losing to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday. No matter which way you spin it, not as bad but as Dak Prescott losing to the Green Bay Packers but is last, some on of, Sunday night. But is some of that is some of that because of where Dak plays in the spotlight that's on, that's on him. Also, we make it sound like he lost to a terrible Green Bay team. That's a Green Bay team that went into Detroit on Thanksgiving Day and beat the Lions. That's a that's a Green Bay team with Jordan Love since week 11 who has been arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. So we could sit here all we want and say, well Green Bay is this, Green Bay is that. Green Bay's been one of the one of the best offenses in the league since week 11. Jordan Love has been a top five quarterback since week 11. I in said the NFL. arguably the best quarterback since week 11. I, I don't think that there's any argument you could make that he's better, that he's more productive, better talent wise, anything than Lamar Jackson since then or Josh Allen. Dude, Quite he threw frankly, like Josh Allen touchdowns to one interception. Are you nuts? Josh Allen turned around a 12 and 2 team. Yeah, to he get turned the two it over in the 10 times and they played garbage teams. Come Go on. Go look at who on. they Jordan beat. Jordan Love didn't win his division. Stop Jordan it. Love didn't win his division. So what? You're talking about a guy being the best quarterback Buffalo in the league. He didn't lost win to New England. Who cares? Come on. You're going to give me that. Miami couldn't beat anybody this year. And Not Buffalo, before week Buffalo 11. was the best of a bad division. Great. A division Wait, with so, the Jets and the Patriots. Stop hold it. Hold on, hold on. We've, we've shifted now because now you're talking about things that started before week 11. So is the argument starting at week 11 or not? No, it doesn't if it's have to start at week from 11, week 11. Then, then Jordan Love was not better than it Josh d- Allen. It doesn't have and, to and start we'll get from the week 11. And we'll look at it because the fact of the matter is he wasn't. Josh Allen led his team against the Kansas City Chiefs win. Dallas Cowboys win. Philadelphia Eagles Dallas overtime you're gonna tell me that josh granted in a game he didn't even do anything in just the fear of him being on the other side of the ball the one here come on he turns over the ball every game twice at least stop it with josh allen god terrible we're coming back though we're not done yet Got to preview the games coming up on uh, Monday. Oh, now you got me all fired up, damn you. We're coming back. Attention families with a loved one in a nursing home. If your loved one has suffered from bed sores, falls, broken bones, dehydration, or even death, you may be entitled to a substantial settlement. If you have a loved one who was injured in a nursing home, we will find out what happened. State violations are found against nursing homes every day. You have a limited time to file your claim, so don't wait. Call 800-398-5999 and speak with one of our attorneys. The call is confidential and free. We continue with Sports Wrap on this Monday. Mikey M. on the show tomorrow from NFL Network. Russ Tucker later in the week. Westwood One. Analyst works alongside Kevin Harlan. All right, I, I wasn't planning to, to continue the conversation on the, on the Saturday stuff, but... Um, Sam is out of his mind on with his Josh Allen adoration fan club. So, 25, by the way, 25 turnovers for Josh Allen this year. Just want to put that out there. 18 interceptions, 7 fumbles. Okay, go ahead. 
Tell, tell, give me, give me your so rationale. Just, we should prep it. We should, we need to start this, right? The, 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 the original statement made was Jordan Love has been arguably the best, best quarterback, quarterback in the NFL since week 11. Since week 11. I said there are Correct. at least two guys that have on their face, just off the top of my head, been better than him. It turns out there have actually been four, but that's neither here nor there. Talking specifically about Josh Allen now. Saying that the turnovers are the reason Josh Allen is a bad quarterback is just not the I'm argument he's a that bad you make. Quarterback, to, I'm not saying he's, he's a not bad a quarterback. great quarterback. Is not an not an All Pro because he's not an All Pro this year. I think that's a good baseline. Yeah, right? but he's I don't not joke. an All Pro quarterback. Okay. he should have been the second. I don't look at it that way, but okay. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not an All Pro because of that. That that stuff is neither here nor there because yeah, you know, there's a lot the, of good players that aren't Pro Bowlers. All Pros. Yes. About Josh Allen's interceptions, mm-hmm. saying that he's inferior to X quarterback because of turnovers. Mm-hmm. When you look at Josh Allen's turnovers, the vast majority of Josh Allen's turnovers come outside of the red zone. Mm-hmm. A large number of them come on third and fourth down, and a significant number of them beyond that pin their opponents inside the 20. There have been two interceptions this year by Josh Allen that resulted in, based on analytics, and I know Jason, not an analytics nope, guy, not. resulted in a better outcome than an incomplete pass followed by a punt. Twice. That's happened this year. Twice. Where Josh Allen's interceptions oh my God. were actually a better play for the team than an incompletion. I mean, why don't we so, start talking about deflected passes for interceptions? I mean, we could sit here all day and nitpick and cherry pick what stat works best for us. The reality is he is not a good protector of the football. And it's been a theme his entire last, well, I shouldn't say his entire career, over the last couple of years since Brian Dayball left. There's no escaping that. I believe he threw 16 interceptions the year Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator. Neither here nor there. When you are scoring, 88% of your team's touchdowns, yep. which is, I believe, 16% higher than the next closest player in the league. In the league. Okay. He's scoring more of his team's points than anyone in the league. You're obviously touching the ball more and getting more chances. You're giving the defense more chances to take the ball away from you. When you ask Josh Allen to do that in the type of offense he runs, yeah, that's going to happen. When you hand the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco 30 times a game, you have less of a chance of fumbling. It's pretty simple. When Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan are behind you and you're throwing five-yard outs on fourth and 16, something Tua Tagovailoa actually did on Saturday. I saw it. It's how you end up with the reputation these guys end up with. I'm just talking about Jordan Love since week 11. That's it. So then we'll go back to the Jordan Love conversation. And quite frankly, Jordan Love is not as physically gifted as Josh Allen, doesn't run as well as Josh Allen, can't throw the ball as far as Josh Allen. So I don't understand where there's an argument to be made that he's a better. Co- and sorry, I'm just since week said, 11, all I said is playing week 11, the best at the position had, since then. Has not had as good of a record as Josh Allen. So I don't understand where there's an argument to be made that he is a better quarterback than Josh Allen in six that time. And, six and two over his last over the last eight games of the season, which I think is probably encompasses week eleven. If I'm, if I'm, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen went seven and one. Yes, uh, and he look may have at who he eight, did no. it against. Come on, he beat New England. He beat the Chargers with Easton friggin' stick. 
Come on. He was gifted a win against the Chiefs. We all know that. <laughs> Come on. All right, man. Stop the, it. The, ex- the excuse train's leaving There's the no station. There's no excuse train. The excuse train, all I just heard was, well, on third down, his interceptions come on third down. His interceptions come on fourth down. He handles because- the ball so much. He's the quarterback. Of course he's oh. handling the football a lot. Jordan Love lost to the Buccaneers in week 15. He beat the Panthers by three he lost, points. He lost to a Stop division it. winning Stop playoff it. team. Done. He lost, lost to a division winning playoff team. Beat the Panthers by three team. points in week 16. Done. Lost to Argument a division over. winning playoff Done. team. There is, he won. Lost to the Chiefs. And your lost team to lost team. to the Jets. Come on, without Aaron Rodgers. That's crazy. That's crazy yeah. because the Packers lost to Tommy DeVito and the Giants. It's crazy. It's crazy. You remember that game? It was on I national TV. remember that game. Huge letdown. What week I remember was that? that game. 15. Yeah, yeah week I remember 15. That game. The national I also watched letdown. them win on Thanksgiving in Detroit. So Right. That was weeks I'll before take, the I'll national take the Packers, letdown. I'll take the Packers resume right now over the Buffalo Bills resume. Oh, my God. I will. That's rich. No. That's rich, man. Mm-mm. A team nope. that didn't even win their division. That lost to the Buccaneers and the Giants With in back-to-back weeks less than a month ago. A first-year quarterback ago. who's basically a rookie quarterback. You love talking about D'Amico Ryan and C.J. Stroud and all this. I mean, you're basically talking about a rookie quarterback and Jordan Love who's led his team to the postseason and just beat Dallas on the road. I mean, So you're saying you take a rookie God. quarterback over a quarterback with playoff experience who has playoff wins. It doesn't. None of this makes sense. And what does it he want? Doesn't. And what does he want? What has he won? He hasn't even won. A, he hasn't even gone to a Super Bowl. He's more talk about the greatest quarterback, Josh Allen. It's nuts. The hype, the hype versus the reality of Josh Allen is comical to me. Everybody forgets the awful first half of the last game. We're coming back. We got, we got more to do. Stick around. Hi, friends. Richard Karn here. Now, I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. That's 800-394-8109. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday. Odds and ends right around the corner. Sam Yarnell will rejoin us for that. I'm going to try to keep my cool during this segment. There's a lot of people who who go on TV and talk about sports and yell and scream and do it for effect and you know try to go viral and that, that sort of thing. I'm going to try my best, though, to keep my composure as I talk about this next story. 
Um, late last week, the Chicago Bulls inducted a bunch of people into their their ring of honor, um, centering around the the great championship teams that that Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman, all those all those great players were involved with. The architect of those Bulls teams um, was a man named Jerry Krause, who um, brought together this collection of players. Now, he is ultimately thought of in the minds of Bulls fans as the person who also broke up the championship Bulls teams. And, and look, we could all we could sit here all day and probably do an hour on that. The Last Dance did plenty on it uh, during that ESPN documentary. But late last week, I think, my, I think it was Friday night, you had these people that were involved with that dynastic um, Bulls portion of NBA history being inducted into the Chicago Bulls Ring of Ring of Honor, their 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 version of their own Hall of Fame. And one of the people being honored was obviously Jerry Krause, which is still a sore subject for some Chicago Bulls fans. Jerry Krause died in 2017 just before he was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. His wife, Thelma Krause, was on hand to stand in for him, sit in for him, at this ceremony as he was being honored. I want you to take a listen and watch what took place during this halftime ceremony when Jerry Krause's name was shown on the scoreboard and she was introduced to the crowd. Take a listen. Six-time NBA champion, two-time NBA executive of the year, represented by his wife, Thelma, basketball Hall of Famer and former Bulls general manager, Jerry Krause. Okay. Um, as you could hear, there was a lot of booing. And if you're watching the show, and you know, some of you might be listening on the podcast, but uh, being as this is a TV show now, I, I assume most people that are ingesting the show are, are watching it. I have watched this footage probably a dozen times, and it doesn't get any more difficult, or it doesn't get any more any easier I should say, for me to watch. Um, the first time I watched it, I was brought to tears. That this 80-year-old woman, who's, I think, about to turn 81 this weekend, who lost her husband, her soulmate, her partner, um, some seven years ago, had to be subjected to booing for a man that's been dead, he's gone. He's not coming back for seven years. And you've got Chicago Bulls fans booing. Booing this woman who's done nothing wrong, nothing to deserve it. It is the worst kind of indictment on a fan base 
that can't get over something that happened that long ago and can't appreciate what they had in that dynastic Bulls team. You're booing an 80-year-old woman who has to sit there and then be consoled by somebody from the Bulls, and I don't know who it was. I'm so glad somebody stood up and sort of lended an emotional hand to her. Because Thelma Krause didn't deserve that. Thelma Krause didn't deserve your scorn in Chicago. You should be embarrassed as a fan base to behave that way towards that woman. All she did was love her husband. (laughs) And don't even get me started on Stacey King. Um, Not to be forgotten in this. This was Stacey King who um, played on some great Chicago Bulls teams. I think he was part of some of those championship teams. This was Stacey King trying to rationalize. Well, I'll let you hear it for yourself. Chicago is a, is a, a sports town. And what we witnessed today, when Jerry Krause's name was called, and the people that booed Jerry Krause and his widow, who was accepting this honor for him, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I hurt for that lady, brought her to tears. And whoever booed her in this arena should be ashamed of themselves. It was, that's not Chicago. That's New York, Philly. Chicago's not like that. We don't have a reputation of being that way. All right. You know what, Stacey King, you're a fool. Show me a time where fans in New York, even fans in Philly, have sat there and booed somebody who's dead. While their wife sits there. You want to get on Bulls fan Stacey King? Go ahead and do it. Don't do it at the expense of other fan bases, though. We're coming back. All right, getting set to wrap things up on this monday edition of the show odds and ends rejoined by sam yarnell that that jerry kraus thelma kraus thing really got me fired up not gonna lie it's just i i was i was actually and i know i'm gonna get crushed for saying this i was actually in tears the first time i saw it that's how enraged i was by what Bulls fans did. And then Stacey King's a moron. I mean, just Stacey King. And, and and I even put it out out there on X. I'm like, how could you sit there and say, well, that's New York, that's Philly. Philly booed Santa Claus. Get your facts straight. They didn't boo dead people. Stupid. Um, One of the big stories of the weekend and leading up to the Saturday wildcard games was the fact that Peacock, Paid $110 million to air the Saturday night game between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Well, a playoff game. That was the game they were they were gifted. Well, I, first of all, I don't know how many people in the end actually wound up buying Peacock. But the numbers, the viewership numbers for the game, which include, granted, and this has to be mentioned, 
the TV markets in Kansas City and Miami because the game is shown locally in those markets. They didn't have to get Peacock to watch it there. But the numbers for Peacock in terms of return on investment for their $110 million, it cannot be overstated how good of a deal this wound up being for them, Sam, because they were the talk of you know the digital and streaming world on Saturday night and Sunday. Their download volume on Google mm-hmm. was two times higher, right, leading up to this game than at any other point in history. That's the kind of numbers yeah. the NFL do, Jason. Sorry, I was looking down because I had to make sure that I got these numbers right because yeah, yeah. they're just astounding. I just, yeah. I have the Peacock app. I'm sure you have the Peacock app. I downloaded it in the last six watch months. My wrestling. I bet you did too. Yeah. It's wild to me how investing in, I I mean, investing in a trillion dollar money-making machine can do exactly that. It's, It's like clockwork, the way the NFL just brings viewership into whatever latches itself onto the NFL. What it makes, I think it's awesome that we're seeing it though. What cracks me up is all the people out there that bitched and moaned and complained and got on their high horse on social media and said, see, this is the Taylor Swift and Peacock. It's the end of the NFL. And you know what? You all bought it anyway. You all still went and got on your little phones and your iPads and your smart TVs and you hit buy. Whether it's for one month or whether you wind up keeping it because you forget about it like your gym membership that you don't use and you still pay for, they got you. That's that's it at the end of the day. And the bigger point to me on this, Sam, and I said this last night, and I, I try not to do hyperbole, but I, I think this is true. I think last night was the beginning of the end of the traditional cable model for sports. And I don't think that's I don't think hmm. that's crazy. Because when the NFL looks and sees the most streamed live event in the history of streaming. That it was 30% of internet activity was this game. Internet activity, not just social media. 30% of the internet was being used because of this game. If you're the NFL, how are you not making the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event? And just saying bye-bye to the... When when this cable rights deal is done for the NFL, how are you not just making the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event? Like wrestling or boxing or UFC. And, and just saying, okay, we dare you not to watch. So I think there are a couple of things that go into this, right? There, there's so many ad revenue conversations that you have to have. And I think at the end of the day, the NFL probably would end up making or will end up making more money to keep, you know, marquee, marquee games like the Super Bowl free and accessible uh, across the world, right? Because the Super Bowl is the most viewed event in the world not just the U.S. In terms of U.S.-specific games, like the one we saw last night, I'm with you, Jason. I think this is going to become more popular. However, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure this is the beginning of the end. I, I would argue that NFL Sunday ticket moving to YouTube TV could have been considered the beginning of the end. Or all of these, you know, Major League Baseball having to bail out 10 teams in their mm. regional sports networks last year, that could have been the beginning of the end. We're, we're thick in the middle of the middle of the end, buddy. Like, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting towards, we're getting to the point where it's going to be like, all right, open up your Roku TV and scroll between four different apps to watch the six games that are going on during the one o'clock window on Sunday. 
Sunday. Uh, it's wild to see how quickly we've transitioned to this too, right? Because, I mean, obviously this was the very beginning of my lifetime, but recording TV is not a super new phenomenon. And it's like we no. just zoomed right through that onto streaming. I'm I like I said when I saw the number come up last night uh, I got the email I might have sent it to you I don't remember uh, I was astonished at at the numbers the breakdown of the numbers now there will be a larger batch of numbers that come out from this from Nielsen on Friday which will give us a clearer indication of sort of where how this audience was proportioned you know what part of it was going towards. Uh, Peacock, which part of it was local in the markets, you know, how many people were streaming it, watching it on TV. We'll have more of that on Friday, and I'll be interesting to see what the breakdown is, but there's no question about it. There's no getting around this. It was a success for the NFL, and it was a success for Peacock. Sam, we'll see you on Tuesday. Have yourself a good day, my friend. Let's talk Josh Allen winners. Man, we might. We're coming back on Tuesday. We'll see you then.